Take your Bibles, turn to uh, chapter 21 in the book of Acts, and uh, try to continue on. Uh, the journey through Acts, it's been quite a while, and we've learned a lot, and I'm going to try to not chase rabbits today. Um, I, I always do. I uh, can't help it, but, you know, this is a, an interesting passage. I think it's one that, um, you know, there's a lot of things we can learn and, and, and glean from it. I'm going to try to uh, stick with the outline that uh, I uh, worked with this week. But I think we, as as Paul comes back to Jerusalem, um, you know, he's been a missionary, and and we need to examine the missionary's return because it, it ends up not being unlike Paul's other visits to the cities where he goes to, to minister the gospel. And, um, you know, at the end of the passage, I mean, he, he barely escapes with his life. I mean, he's rescued from being murdered. And so I want us to, to take a few minutes to, to open up the word, to read. Uh, we're going to start with verse 17, and I'm going to stop at verse number 36 today. And um, I invite you to stand as we read the passage, and then we'll see kind of where the Lord leads us today as we try to stick with the, uh, the outline. But here we're in the book of Acts. Stand if you're able to, uh, and we will see where uh, Paul returns to Jerusalem. Uh, the word says, when we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. And on the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. And after greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have been delivered or who have believed. They are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them, not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus, all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in, in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men and the next day he purified himself along with them, went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification, purification will be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. 
When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law uh, uh, and, and, the, and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Triumphus, uh, the Ephesian, with him in the city. And they supposed that Paul had, been, had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people, uh, uh, people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tri tribune, and the, the soldiers, uh, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tri uh, tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. And some of the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, uh, he, actually he was actually carried by soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying, away with him. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pause together and pray. Father, as we look into this word today, help us to understand the, the circumstances. But Lord, help us to understand the challenges that we face today that the challenges that are in our midst, the uncertainty, uh, the misrepresentations. For we, Lord, like Paul, are missionaries here in Rutherford County to share the gospel and the good news. And certainly, there will be those who oppose it. So give us strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, aren't there times when things can be misrepresented, misinterpreted? It certainly was the case here with Paul's coming back to Jerusalem, not, not by the elders, but by some of the Jews. You had Jewish Christians, you had Judaizers. The, the ones who were very zealous for the law. But truth can get lost to preference. And truth can get lost to the, the preservation of tradition. Sometimes it's self-preservation. You know, when things are different, they can become uncomfortable. When, when you stop and think about it, we, we really see this all the time, whether it's a, a new political administration, whether you have a, a new boss, and 
And yes, uh, even an approach to ministry can be uh, viewed as we try to, to approach ministering the gospel. We, we see that, that people see what they want to see. Uh, people, people say what uh, they want to say. And we hear what we want to hear. I think if we pause and, and look back over history, we see that this is evident what we've known in regards to spirituality. It just is. There are so many messages and so many approaches, yet we still see confusion and uncertainty amongst believers. But what is the, the message of the gospel? Isn't it clearly spoken in the word of God and in the testimonies of believers? Remember what Jesus said to Thomas in the gospel of John when Thomas said, how can we know the way? What did Jesus say in 14.6? I am the way. I am the truth and the life. And he said this, no one comes to the Father except through me. So what we have to represent to the world is salvation through Jesus Christ. The repentance of sins. And our hearts must be transformed by the work of Jesus Christ, not ours. Now, as Paul returns to Jerusalem, the, the missionary's return is, is viewed with, with mixed reviews. What does Luke tell us there as we look at verse 17? It says, you know, when, when, when we arrived, when we come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. So first, first we have the missionary's return, and Luke and Paul and the rest who came along with him, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure Paul was glad to have the support of the Gentiles as he returned to Jerusalem uh, to talk about with the elders the work that had been done. The, the word tells us that the brothers received us gladly. And I'm sure that after being away for such a long time, uh, uh, this was explained as a, as a blessing to them who came back. He says, on the, the following day, Paul went with us to James and all the elders were present there. So after, after we, we see this brief description of the return, uh, we know Paul gets together with James and the elders and he was able to, to share his story. So we have a joyful welcome we have the sharing of a, a story. And, and Paul was able, I'm sure, to relate all the, the, the ups and downs of a trip. Can you imagine uh, that Paul just said, well, we had a great time, many people were saved, and here we are. Now, we don't get a lot of detail here, but think about all the, the journeys that we've studied throughout Acts, from Saul's conversion, and they strike out to 
to all the various cities. We won't go back and, and look at all those, but think about this. He's sitting there with James and the elders of the church, and we just use our imagination for a minute. I mean, he, he was in Cyprus. Uh, he, he experienced uh, uh, the sharing of the gospel in Antioch. But remember, there was persecution. He, he went to Iconium. There he had to escape, right? Uh, Lystra. He was stoned there for proclaiming the gospel. But remember what happened at each place? There were those as he was ministering to the Gentiles who received the word of God, whose lives were transformed. They were, they were saved by not Paul, but by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I can imagine as they listened, they had to hear about how Paul went and preached and how many were saved, but he also heard about the confusion and the, the misrepresentations about the gospel message or about Paul's motivation or the intent. And so whether it was in Athens or Corinth or Ephesus, there was always trouble. I bet they were epic stories. Stories sharing the gospel being preached, people being saved, and others trying to thwart the work of the gospel. Why? I mean, it obviously was a threat to what they had subscribed to, what they believed, what, what they themselves valued. And so the response to the hearing, it says in verse 20, when they heard it, they glorified God. How can you not when someone's saved? They glorified God, and, and we too must rejoice when we hear about lives being changed. Now, I wonder sometimes about uh, the condition of our churches today in general. We see so many churches struggling. And, 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 and I, I don't know how to answer the question definitively, but if we stopped and said, why do we believe that so many churches are struggling to find unity and, and peace and, and fellowship? I mean, that's what's so unique about our place here, isn't it? And every time I talk about Main Street, I say, this, this is different. We, we enjoy unity and fellowship centered around the Lord Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. It's not centered around core doctrine and who's teaching it. It's not the ego of our pastor who has to command the pulpit every Sunday, right? It's not about people who are just you know, almost leaving us to go on tour because of their music abilities and the, the command of the stage. It's not about that. It's about the simple truth of the gospel. Remember the verse I shared from John. You know, it's not a complicated message when we really think about it. Now, once we get into understanding how difficult it is to set aside what we've been conditioned with, that simple message gets convoluted, right, between the do's and don'ts, the regulations and the laws and the preferences and the ideas that we install and insert into the gospel. But listen, 
Jesus told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and you must repent and believe in me to, and be born again. I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as they glorified God, we too must rejoice over the life of someone who's been changed. So what happens then? What happens then, we see the brothers begin to think about what's taking place. Now, there were thousands of Jews who had come to Jerusalem probably to, to prepare for the celebration of Pentecost. And, and so with all these people here and Paul on his way, uh, people had been telling stories about Paul. And they weren't necessarily accurate. Because what it says here is, <clears throat> hey, there are thousands that are among the Jews, those who have believed, and that's great, but they are zealous for the law, and they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to walk according to the customs. And that would have been a problem for the Jews who respected the laws and who chose to obey the customs. So they started thinking about concessions to those who may not understand how to put the law and the work of Christ together. And so they, they had an idea. They, they will certainly hear you have come and and, and here's what we want you to do. Do what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Why don't you take these men and purify yourself along with them to pay, and pay, uh, to pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads? Thus, all will know that there is nothing uh, in what has been told about you. Now, I don't think uh, Paul... Uh, purifying himself uh, in the midst of Jews who have a respect for the laws and the custom is a problem in and of itself. And Paul was willing to do that. But it seems uh, that concessions to a weaker brother can go one of two ways. There, first, there was a concern for the Jews who had believed and were zealous for a law. For the law. But Paul's work, as we see in the text, is going to be and has been misrepresented. Listen, when Paul was on his journey, uh, we know that he did not warn, or he did warn the Gentiles not to get involved in the old Jewish religion. Go and read Galatians chapter 4. Uh, read on into chapter 5 that we read in our New Testament. He told them, uh, look, don't don't get involved in that. That that's complicated for you. It's not necessary because of grace and because of the work of Christ. But nowhere did he tell the Jews that it was wrong for them to practice their customs, as long as it did not they did not trust in the ceremony alone, and and to make their customs. Uh, a test of, of fellowships. 
Read in the book of Romans from chapter 14, 1, all the way through uh, the beginning part of chapter 15. The, the same grace that gave the Gentiles freedom to abstain also gave the Jews freedom to observe. And, and, and that's what we still run into today, isn't it? The difficulty in, in making uh, um, convoluted the simplicity and the, the wonderful existence of grace, the message of the gospel. You know, one church believes women have to dress a certain way. One, one believed that uh, music can only be contemporary. One believed that, you know, you, I mean, you start talking about the rituals of the church and how it divides the hearts of men, and we'd never get around to the rest of the text. If you could hear stories about uh, points of conflict and points of offense and jealousy and selfishness and envy and strife that makes its way into the church. The, 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 I, I remember one, one time we had a, a pastor in our church, and, and man, he believed in preaching a text until it was just wore out. I mean, he had been on, I believe it was Luke chapter 11, for like six weeks. And there was a new message every week. One of the deacons went to him and said, Listen, you got to get off. You get, we're tired of hearing about that. Move on. And, and, and listen, the preacher, he puffed his chest out, and he said, let me tell you something. I'll move on when I, God tells me to move on. When I agree with his, the sentiment, if the Holy Spirit is allowing you to preach, has burdened your heart not for a circumstance or you're trying to preach something out of a person, but if God has burdened your heart for, for the message, but it created conflict. We want you to move on. You don't tell me what to do. You see, there's, there's a lot of points that, that we, we, we get consternated. But the grace that, that Christ brings to us today also provides freedom. We have to understand that. And understand that, that we are free from the bondages of sin. So what shall we do here? What shall we do? We have to look for how to handle the situation. Well, look, if we look to compromise, there, there are two types of compromises. If we look to, to make a concession, there are either legitimate concessions or they become illegitimate. When are they legitimate? Well, if we read those passages that I mentioned, there, whether it's in Galatians or whether it's in uh, uh, Romans 14 and 15 and other places where Paul is ministering to the Gentiles and also speaking to Jewish Christians, there are times when we can make concessions without violating our conscience, without crossing over the threshold of our convictions. When we can make them to remove stumbling blocks for the weaker in the faith, and when we know that they are necessary to promote peace, I think their, their intent was, 
well-directed for Paul to say, look, we know there's a lot of uh, misinformation or that this is what's being said about you. Why don't you demonstrate? So Paul was willing to do that. But there are also times when, when we need to be careful that we are not making illegitimate concessions. And those are when concessions are made, they may be right to do so, uh, but they tend to mislead the weaker brother. And when we mislead a weaker brother, if it's over an issue that is not an issue for us as someone under grace, they may believe that their position is right. And one thing can lead to another. And so if we get off in our doctrine or our theology or our understanding of, of convictions, it can take us down a path to be argumentative. And we don't want to lead a brother uh, down the wrong path. It might have them believe that their position is absolutely right. And as another point of being illegitimate, we must not concede simply for the sake of peace and forfeit what we know is right. What that means is don't break your conviction. I mean, is peace worth compromising your conviction? Sometimes we have to walk through the fire, don't we? Sometimes the relationship that we desperately want, we have to walk away from. We have to leave for a time to allow God to do his work because, look, you can believe and think and take a position on anything you want to. Our world teaches us to form an opinion and hold strongly to it. Regardless of the truth or the convictions that we should be developing and possessing by knowledge of the truth through the gospel. But, but remember, the world and the worldview is absent of truth in many, many circumstances. So it really doesn't care about the convictions. It only wants to win. But Paul, I think, went about uh, 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 the, taking the advice of the elders and of James uh, with good intentions and without violating comp uh, uh, conscience. I think, though, that we need to understand uh, thirdly that the world's mis misrepresentations uh, are, uh, are directed toward the followers of Christ in many circumstances. Remember the text told us that there were thousands of, of pilgrims who had come into the city. And really what Paul was facing here was the scandal of the Jews because the, the word about Jesus brought Gentiles into the people of God without requiring them to abide by the law. And for those who were zealous for the law, this was scandalous. Do we behave that way today? Are there scandals that, that those who have always been associated with the Baptist church just can't handle? Well, sure there are. We just don't quite know how to talk about them. Or admit them, admit that we can hold on to those things and it hinders our fellowship. But listen, these, these words were being spoken about Paul because uh, as scandalous as it was, 
you know, it, it's something that had already gotten around and, and couldn't be stopped. They were trying, and their intentions were directed to try to present Paul in the best light. But it's the same for us today. Whether it's um, coming out of a life of sin and entering into ministry, whether it's decisions that we made when we cared nothing about uh, uh, how God, what, what, how we could represent the kingdom of God, uh, or if, if, if we've made mistakes along in our Christian journey that, that um, uh, people know about, it becomes separators for us because there are those within the church who can't see outside of themselves. I, I'll tell a story, and I, I know I'm going to have to hustle on, but... Um, I can't help remember this, and we all love each other, and we're in great fellowship together, but my, the church I belong to and grew up in, uh, we were doing some outreach to some of the children in the, in the neighborhood. And they were, they were um, a family that was off the beaten path, and, and we, you know, we were happy to pick up the children and have them be part of the choir. Sally worked with the choir. They had a little boy, a little fella. He was real enthusiastic for singing. And, and so we, we had uh, several of those kids participating in the Christmas program. And we reached out and invited the parents. And on that Sunday evening, Sally, you know what I'm talking about, uh, we had uh, their parents showed up. Well, it was, it was a different experience for the church because this guy... The dad, he he had uh, he had his his head was shaved on the side and he had it like high in the middle. He had some piercings and tattoos, you know. And and I heard in the back hallway a couple of the deacons make a comment that was to this effect: "Those are the type of people we don't need." And, I mean, I almost was going to just, you know, do like the Goldberg type and tackle them, but that's not appropriate either. It upset me in my spirit. And I don't really think the church received uh, anybody that didn't look or, or sound like them. And, and what, what, what God is, has taught me and what he showed me in that moment was, look, the, the purpose of the gospel is not for you to make people like you. It's for, for me, Christ, to transform their heart to become like me. So we don't know the stories and the reasons and the rationale, and frankly, it's none of our business because we've got enough trouble on our own staying in line and, and being obedient to the, to the commands of Christ than to worry about somebody else. Now, fast forward about 18 years or how many ever, 20 years maybe, I was in the line at Walmart, and the little boy's grown up, and the dad was there. And so I was, I was like, man, I recognize this guy. And, man, I... I'd seen him out and about a, a few times before and just, hey, how you doing? But 
I was I was feeling led by the Spirit to talk to him and say, hey, I want you to see, I want to see, I want you to know I remember you. Do you remember me? And and so I was like, I just, you know, because all I could think about was, was how I remember they never came back to the church. Didn't feel welcome. But I finally got up to courage, and the Spirit was saying, you got to talk to him. you gotta, you got to talk to him. And, and so I, I, I said, listen, I remember this guy when he was little, and we did the Christmas program. And he, thankfully, he didn't punch me, you know, because he associated me with the church. But he was gracious, and, and I got just a moment to speak to him and tell him how we enjoy the church and make a few inquiries. But you see, this is why it's so difficult to get people who are struggling in life to enter into the doors of church because, because if the world is misrepresenting what we're doing, uh, sometimes they're not because we are doing it or the church has done it. And people don't want to be a part of something where that is not genuine, where you can't really find love, which is what we're looking for. So, you know, we get mixed up with popular culture and the entirety of the gospel becomes offensive, not by substance, but on the surface. Because how the church represents it is insincere and based on preference and not love and kindness. And we don't show the grace that we've been shown. You know what happens? I think the substance of the preference becomes based in the world and it becomes a function of the church. It's called religion over relationship. Is the church filled with form and absent of function? I mean, that's a, that's a great question. It's simple, but I think we need to consider it from time to time. Could be the case. Paul took the advice of the elders and and still was able to, to, to have, uh, he wasn't able to have the misrepresentation set aside. The concession was attempted in good faith, yet people made a determination, uh, and that sometimes it seldom works to give them or to do what we want to accomplish. What I mean is, we have good intentions about uh, making a concession, but Listen, the, 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 the work of the world is strong. It's hard to change the mind of someone who wants to, to, to take you off course and to, 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 who's adamantly against the gospel. And I think we see that happening in our culture today because, you know, I was reminded of some of the events that have taken place around us where Christians are being persecuted, Christian businesses. Uh, a Christian, the, the, the notion of, of Christianity, the message of the gospel, and others are not. They're tolerated. The missionary ran into troubles in verse 27, and I know I'm just about finished. In verse 27, it said, After the seven days were almost uh, completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd, laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. We could say for Paul, it's now he's hitting par on the course, right? 
He's sharing all the good news of those thousands who have been saved, who have been converted, the Gentiles, the Jewish believers, all the miracles that God has done in his life to, to rescue him and to allow the, the, the mission work to continue. But they began to, to slander Paul and, and publicly announce uh, the, 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 the publicly amount, uh, announce their veracity and their aversion to his work. Their, their words stirred up the crowd to a point that the whole city was stirred up to the place where they were going to kill Paul. The truth was not the issue for them, but rather what they wanted to presume. Listen, I guess to them it was their truth. We're Jews, we're zealous for the law, uh, this man is, is stirring it up. But the truth about Paul was not the issue to them. It was preserving what they wanted to preserve. And I say, as, as wonderful as the fellowship is, don't think for a moment that we can't let our minds and hearts get to that same place. When we think we've got it, we're cruising down on Jesus Street, we're in trouble. We must stay humble and, and tender to the Word of God and the spirit of brokenness in order to allow God to continue doing His work through us and in us. If we think that the program's running, the, the church is uh, running fine, the music is smoking it up, then we may be in trouble. So, we will lean toward our preference just like that. It'll happen. You know, pastors are leaving the ministry at alarming rates. Why? They couldn't run the numbers they had expected to. They met too much opposition in the church to expanding. I mean, you name it. They couldn't keep their eyes on off of the things that qualify as sexual morality. They, they couldn't uh, devote themselves outside the work of the church to a relationship with Christ. And so they start pursuing preference. We have to protect against this. See, now they're, 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 uh, they're presuming that they are going to to, to kill Paul and to, to spread this word about him. And so they began to promote out of ignorance. They wanted action without a call for the truth. And had it not been for the tribune, Paul may have been beaten to death. Look, you, you see, if you read through the rest of that section there, that the tribune came, he brought the soldiers, he rescued Paul, and he began to ask questions. And I'm sure Dale will get into that next week. But missionary had trouble. He was accused. He was slandered. He was nearly murdered. He was bound, even in his innocence. And he was ignorantly suspected. But through these troubles, God's grace would be sufficient for him. And by the way, for these troubles, Paul was willing to die. It wasn't a matter of, uh, if I have to or am I going to, I'm ready. He was willing to do that. 
So, church, today, God is at work around the world. You know, as we go out and do, do the work of God, we too may be viewed as different. You know, I think Dale shared, I told him, somebody asked me, what's, what's going on up there at Main Street? A bunch of hyper-Calvinists. Um, I mean, what, what's going on? People don't, don't want to, to lay their preferences down. But we have to be willing to go and, and be like Paul, to be all things to all men without sacrificing or laying aside the truth of the gospel, which is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. We must repent and confess of our sins in order to receive salvation. And God is at work. We, we, we must try to avoid becoming fixed on our way. And I hope we never become so fixed on our way as so many do, fixed on our preferences as so many come to love. But may we ask God to make us certain of our salvation because the message of the gospel is not difficult. You know, think back to one of the most popular verses ever, John three sixteen. The way I bring up, but Billy Graham used it all the time, right? We, we need to realize that there was a purpose and intent for God sending his son. It was his great love for us. He wasn't desiring that we perish, but that we would receive the message because of that desire in our heart, the ability to, to, to see ourselves, even if it's for a glimpse, to understand how separated and desperate we are without Christ. So I pray that we continue working out our salvation, uh, uh, that we're discerning in compromise, and that we remain able to faithfully endure the world's hatred of the gospel. Look, Paul couldn't escape it. Christ couldn't escape the cross. Let's prepare and be ready to endure what the world brings us. Because if we go out and tell our story, as Paul was telling his, guess what? It's on. Because you become one who is threatening the existence of the world, the foothold of sin. And listen, what do we want to get when we get released from sin release from the bondage. So may God bless us as we go forth, understanding that troubles may come, but we go equipped with the gospel and with Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to look at this word. I know it's a, a lot that, that could have been said and that perhaps about this particular incident was uh, missed, but Father, I pray that the essence of, of what Paul had to endure, we can clearly see. This church, as many others, is not a perfect place. But I believe you have placed in our hearts a passion and a burning for the gospel because, Lord, that can't come just from the excitement of, of knowing that it exists. It comes from the reality of each one of us being Release from the bondage and the burden of sin through that confession and through the, 
uh, acceptance of Jesus Christ, your son. So, Father, if there's someone here today who is struggling, who doesn't understand how deep your love is and how willing you are to, to take on the burden of our sin, that you've already won that victory on the cross and defeated it by raising, again, raising to life again, Lord, I pray that, that the struggle would end today, that they would choose to believe on you as the Son of God, as the way, the truth, and the life, and that you are the only, the only way to eternal life. So, Father, may your love be felt, and may you strengthen us for what lies ahead. For if we really proclaim the gospel, if we cling to it with our very life, we will endure hardships. So strengthen us, Father, as we move to this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to another message from the pulpit ministry of Main Street Baptist Church in Spindale, North Carolina. I hope that your soul has been edified as a result of hearing the Word of God preached and that God will continue to be glorified in your life as you worship Jesus. If you have any questions about the message you heard today, feel free to uh, check us out online and send an email. You can find us at www.mainstreetspindale.com or you can call us directly at 828-286-2291. Hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.